What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program in what was an extremely long-awaited interview, one of the most requested guys to have on Two White Lights. Since I really started the show, um, people have been wanting to have Joey Flex on the show, one of the most successful and the most well-known powerlifting coach in the USAPL. I'm going to make that statement. He is the most well-known powerlifting coach in the USAPL. And the interview was awesome. Um, I got to ask him some things that I am positive the viewers and the listeners would want me to ask him and what you guys were interested in hearing from Joey Flex and the conversations that you guys were looking forward to between him and I. But also the things I was curious about too. Um, we talked about how he got his start in powerlifting. It was a bit lengthy with that um, because it was a you know a pretty pretty long build up to him getting his start in powerlifting um, as far as a coach goes and a competitor. But also got it, a really interesting conversation about his coaching and really the success of his coaching. Uh, we do discuss you know how coaching has changed since he started to now and you know the trends that we see, but. I made the comparison between his coaching and the New England Patriots uh, in 2001 when they started their dynasty, and really good conversation between him and I on that one because, you know, when you're good for that long, people end up criticizing you, and how you deal with those criticisms and how you deal with long success is interesting, so we got into a good conversation about that. We also talked about the crazy year that was 2020. Um, if there's an asterisk by that year, no matter what you've done in the sport, should there be an asterisk by your total or by the competition or by the accomplishments that you may have experienced in 2020, uh, cool conversation on that. Also something that I'm not sure how much he's talked about in his career, but coaching two athletes in the same weight class to possibly taking that one and two spot, um, Something he experienced, uh, we got into a really good conversation, really interesting conversation that I think everyone will appreciate us talking about a little bit, you know, Russ, Sean, and Daniela, Amanda, that whole situation. And of course, I had to wrap it up with FMK. We only played a few because he was running short on time, but the two that I saved were, I think, the best ones. So, awesome interview, love to have him on again sometime, but before we get into the show, I want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, visit leflarbros.com, use promo code 2WL10 and get 10% off of whatever merchandise you need. I love all the stuff on Leflar Bros. I got to start, you know, getting my my baseball tee fix in, I got to start wearing that a little bit more to the gym, it's perfect weather for that. But also, beanies. Beanies are extremely important. i got to have my fanny pack on me at all times. You can get all of that at leftlarbros.com if you use that promo code 2WL10. Also, two white lights banners are at leftlarbros.com. If you've got a room, you got a gym, get that leftlarbros uh, or that two white lights banner on leftlarbros.com. Also, rivalist.net. Get yourself some informed choice supplements. Everything that they sell has that little check mark, and that is going to be very important for you tested lifters out there. And of course, if you're listening to the show, you're probably in the USAPL, and you got to get those informed choice supplements. So Rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15, and you can get 15% off of your order. Also, go to Lift.net. They just dropped their olive green and their white new sleeves, wrist wraps, and belts and I got the white ones, and they are awesome. I love the color. They look amazing. I'm going to look like Shawn Michaels 
when I go to my next meet. It's going to happen. Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series or WrestleMania 12 when he came in through the rafters. I'm going to look like that, and it's because it's stoic. You can look like that, too. If you use promo code ANGELO10, you will get 10% off of your order. I only use stoic on the platform and in the gym. You guys should, too. Use promo code ANGELO10 and get 10% off. Also, go to Notorious Lift. Remember, they have those drops quite frequently. And they just dropped a whole lot of designs and new colors where the deadlift slippers. I got into the deadlift slippers because of them. And I love them. I love Notorious Lift slippers. They are my favorite thing to deadlift in. And also, I've been benching them recently, too. That's how much I love them. So go there and make sure you are following that page and taking a look at those drops. I post on Two White Lights and my page to make sure you guys know when they have a drop because the colors if i'm gonna look like Shawn michaels i gotta get like some white shoes too and they have drops they got the cream they got the uh, the frost ones i they they got different colors so make sure you guys do that also subscribe on itunes subscribe on spotify leave a five-star rating on itunes and leave a good review and here it is two white lights And as promised, I got with me via Zoom meeting a long-awaited interview since I started this podcast and got in the USAPL. Fans of the show have been wanting Joseph DeFranco, Joey Flex on the show. How are you, man? What up? What up? What's going on? What's going on, people? Nothing. How we doing in these bunkers these days? Yeah, you're actually, I'm technically in my wine cellar right now. I'm in my wine, because it's too goddamn cold and rainy to smoke a cigar outside, so I gotta do it, like, in this, hopefully the sound quality is good, because there's, like, sometimes an echo in here, but, yeah, nah, uh, it's, it's definitely, definitely a bunker right now. I was gonna say, for those of you that can't see him, he has got the fattest cigarette <laughs> ever. <laughs> It's it, it's a cigar, so I gotta correct you there. It's a cigar. Oh yeah, cigar, cigar. Post Malone vibes right now. <laughs> All right, so I got with me one of I mean I'm gonna say the most popular, well known coach in the USAPL, and it's an honor to have you on. I have great respect for you. Um, I think the first coach I really found out about when I started in powerlifting has been you, and. I got to ask this because you've built so much in throughout your career in powerlifting. How did you get your start in, in just fitness in general? And then how did that like just lead to the coaching aspect? Uh, very good question. Um, so my family had always been into sports fitness. Uh, both my mom and my stepdad, um, coming up were personal trainers, uh, you know, my mom ran track. She was actually an American gladiator. I don't know if you guys know what that show is, God but it's damn. an old show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 She was on that. And, uh, you know, just, I remember when I was young, just, she would just give me a basketball, give me a football, things like that. So I had always kind of, um, 
just gravitated towards sports. And then when I got into middle school, I remember uh, we had like a little flag football thing that we would do. And I really enjoyed that. Then I got into basketball and I loved basketball. Basketball, I would say, is like my true like first love in terms of a sport. And um, then once I got into high school, I started lifting weights and I started to see you know, my body's changed like a ton. Like I literally, we would just do, we would do squat bench, deadlift, power cleans, overhead press. And it was the same, you know, we would do like three weeks of sets of 15. We would do uh, three weeks of sets of 10 and three weeks of sets of five. And Mm -hmm. it was like super, like just, you know, foundational zero. uh, There's nothing to it. It was just all, all just lift brother. Just lift. If you couldn't lift the weight on the bar, your spotter would have to help you lift it, even if it was like twenty mm. pounds more than you could actually do, right? Yeah, so yeah. always finish the set. Yeah, I remember because that was very similar in high school for me. Was always finish the set. Like it could be way too heavy, and it was like be a set of five. It's like, well, you got one. You're doing four, and the guy's just gonna deadlift <laughs> it off your fucking chest until you yeah, do five. Exactly. So, but um, I remember we had uh. Our, my junior year, we had this coach, Coach Camp, and he would give us – well, 10th grade leading into 11th grade, and he would give us weight gain or shakes yeah. after train after practice, and we that actually helped a ton. Um, you know, and then once we got into – once I became a senior, I became a captain, and, you know, football just became, like, very – it teaches you discipline. I grew up so much as a person playing football. That's why I say powerlifters that come from sports, you could tell because – you know, doing an opening kickoff against a rival team is a lot more pressure than hitting an opening squat. You know what I mean? They're yeah. kind of similar, but I mean, it's very different. Um, that first hit of the game. So, so play sports, you know, I really, really enjoyed lifting. Um, once we got into the lifting and then in the off season, she, I, I don't know if it was the attention or what, but like when you, you know, I was super lean. I was like in shape and I really enjoyed training. And I remember in the off season, I would throw a shot put because it was more weight lifting weights and it was just something to something to work on. Right. And I remember I would have like little groups and I would like train people and I'm literally like 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and all that, you know, we had, we had girls that would come in and they would want to like work out with me and stuff like that. Even though I had no, you know, I'm, I'm a 17 year old kid that only knows what my coach has taught me. I did have my parents, you know, that were into, into stuff like that. And I actually had my first personal training client when I was 16, um, which helped me a lot. I used to work the front desk at a gym called Beverly Hills health and fitness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would go to this person's house, like crazy expensive house and just train their daughter. Right. So I got a lot of experience with people and working in gyms and things like that really helps you kind of, um, learn how to interact with different people um and then as time went on i i remember i continued to lift weights but i would always lift kind of like in that football style just like adding dumbbells here and there keep things to big compounds i don't know if you guys remember teenation.com simply shredded you know those websites and i would just read everything i could there was no there really wasn't youtube fitness at this time Mm -hmm. um it might have just been starting this is like 2008 2009 um you know super raw and then i met this guy i actually remember his name his name is david katudal he's french canadian um I, he was a professional like uh i think he i think he did bodybuilding and men's physique but he was a bodybuilder and he was a lot more science like into the science behind things and he would like look at my training and he's like dude like if you just added little movements here and there you could really like you could lift more 
on the bodybuilding movements with your compound lifts. And he, I remember this one day, he handed me a thing of rice. It was like a big container of rice. And he said, you're too lean. You need to eat. I want you to eat this whole thing before you go home today. Um, <laughs> he used to take me into Gold Gym Venice. He used to take me to all these different gyms. And we would just train. We literally, it was like we would wake up, we would meet up. And we would drive to whatever gym and we would just train, eat, and then just like talk about training. And it was really nice to have like a mentor like that, Um, you know, and I was always around like that whole atmosphere is always dudes that are that are lifting and and everybody wants to teach the young guys something. Um, But he showed me that there was more to it than just like pro stuff. Like there was a science behind things. There's a reason for stuff. And then I started to really miss football. This is when I'm like 18, 19. I started to really miss football. Um, so I went back to school. I went to the community college by my house where I lived at the time, Pierce college. And there I saw talent and I saw athletes and I saw, I learned how to bench twice a week as opposed to once a week. Mm-hmm. I learned so much from that. Cause we had a really, really, really solid strength coach. I rem- I don't remember his name, but I remember what he looked like. He looked like stone cold Steve Austin. I kid you not, um, with the big Brown mustache and he was a hard ass. He would kick. Uh, he would destroy us Mm -hmm. and he and he would say he would say hey you know joey instead of benching like one day and killing yourself why don't you try sets of six on monday and then like on thursday or friday try sets of four and i was like no way dude i have way too much energy after this workout that won't work (laughs) and then that was when i hit, hit my first 365 bench i was like 19 and i was like whoa there's like something to this and i started to learn more you know and and i started to realize um I played my two years there and then I transferred to like an NAI school in, in the Midwest, St. Louis, Missouri or Leavenworth, Kansas. I lived in, uh, Platte city, Missouri. It's this little shit town with like 12 people in it. And it was just a very culture shock for me. And I, and when I was out there, I, I would say in that year I grew more than I've ever had to grow in my life because it was like, you're on your own. I have to find a way to make ends meet and I'm going to school and football. And it's just like, I started to realize that football, I love football and it was really tough for me to, to come to this decision. But I said, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to go to the NFL. Right. Mm -hmm. That dream is gone. Right. Every kid is going to have that dream. Right. Every kid's going to have that dream. I just like realized it sooner. And I realized that football is such a big commitment um and and you know for me to have gone to this place probably wasn't like if i could go back and say hey if you want to go to the, if you want to move out there on your own and go to school to grow and develop as a person sure but if you're going there for football it's not going to lead to shit right mm-hmm. but i had to learn that on my own um i i love lifting i love training i continue to train the whole time and and i really started to look at football as like this thing that was draining me the actual sport of it, like, you know, you have to study film, you have to train, you have, there's so much stuff that goes into it, but I really enjoyed lifting and I did not want to go without training. Right. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, uh, going back home and I started training people in commercial gyms. I worked like a million jobs. I was working, I was training people. I was working security. I worked in retail and I was a personal assistant for this rich lawyer lady. Right. I was doing like all this stuff. Right. Just to like, just to like pay bills. It was me and my girlfriend at the time. Um, she had been with me through all of it. And, uh, I really, I, 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 
I started to take off in the gym a little bit and I was like, okay, like even though I'm working at a freaking LA fitness, I'm getting like 12 clients a day. Cause it's like 30 minute sessions, 12 clients. And so, so they're just, it's like, they're sending you people, sending you people, sending you people. So I'm dealing with all these different personalities. And I feel like I really developed as a people person and being able to, um, you know, identify different personalities and different needs and wants and things like that, which, which is a skill that I think coaches need to have, um, you know, because obviously like we have a very diverse team and we work with a lot of different people, obviously you're going to relate to some people more than others, um, in certain areas and how you're brought up and stuff. Like I said, I grew up playing football. I, I grew up in that, you know, environment. So I'm, that's why I like, I love listening and watching Marshawn Lynch because he makes me feel comfortable. I feel like, oh, I know this guy. I know what he's been through. You know, I don't know what specifically what he's been through, but he makes me feel like I'm back in the locker room or something. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just meet all these, uh, you deal with all these different people. You carry that skill over into coaching powerlifting. Now, how did that happen? I was um, training people at a commercial gym. And I remember at the time I hired a coach. His name was Tyler Mayer. I knew about him through Matt August, through Steve Cleva. So Matt August, Steve Cleva, who was Matt's homie. And then Tyler, who, who you know, they kind of worked together. And I remember watching his video on doing your first meet. And at the time, you know, he would like pull 600 pounds sumo. And it was like, oh, shit, at 83, like no one's done that, right? Like it was like, you know, very everything was very new, right? Mm-hmm. And um, right now at this point, bodybuilding is kind of like the main thing. Powerlifting is very like obscure and just kind of in the ether. It's like this weird, you know, the, the USAPL was not nearly – as big as it is now, it was mostly just untested. And, um, you know, I remember watching old Dan green videos being super inspiring and things like that. And, uh, yeah. So I, I was in, I had my coach and we were training for bodybuilding. We're dieting down and he goes, Hey man, you're pretty strong. Why don't you try powerlifting meat like in the off season just to like help with, you know, adherence and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I did my first powerlifting meet. Um, and, I enjoyed it a lot. I really liked it. And at the time, I believe I was like my junior 380 bench was like a record at like 198. So I fell in love with it. And I would train my powerlifting in commercial gyms, right? I would just do, you know, I'm like squatting, I don't know, 405, 455, whatever at the time. And um, people start to ask you like, hey, man, do you do training? Do you do training? Whatever. And I was like, I was like, oh, I don't really coach anyone, but I, you know, I do work at the gym. Um, so you got to go through them or whatever. And then, um, as time went on, I started to, I just kind of like got away from training people in a commercial gym and started to train more powerlifting and integrate that into my clients work and things like that, because I wanted to teach people the value of the compound lifts or whatever. And then it got to a point where I was competing and people really started to ask me, Hey, do you coach powerlifting? Do you coach powerlifting? This is like 2013, 2014. And I didn't really know of any online powerlifting specific coaches at the time. Um, I think Bryce existed. I don't think TSA was formed yet. It was uh, 3DMJ was a thing for sure. Mm -hmm. And he was doing like West Side. Like that was like the thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, Daily Angulating Period as DP just came out. Right. Yeah. RPE was like just starting to be a thing. And, um, you know, people. So, so for me, just training and kind of minding my business, people started to ask me. And then, so that's what, 20. I remember, I think it was 2014 after USPA Nationals, I believe. It might have been late 2013. I'm not sure. But that was the first time. And only time ever 
six to seven years ago that I ever posted that I was going to start coaching people. And right around that time is when we got a kid named Sean Noriega that came to me and uh, he was, he was pulling conventional and he was, I believe his last meet was a knee wraps. And um, it was just, it was super narrow. His butt was kicking back and it was just so different for him back then. The way he trains now and then his technique, everything, it was just so different. And I remember he had like a 14 something total. That might've been his first meet. I don't remember, but um, I just remember killing it his first meet with me. And I probably was only coaching like five to 10 people at the time. I did not know of any other powerlifting coaches and I did not know. I did not know of, you know, any, anything. And I think that's what allowed me to kind of take off is like, I'm like the, one of the very few people that's doing this thing. Now at this point, it's a very key point in my career because I could suck ass and fizzle into obscurity mm-hmm. or I could continue on the path that I was on and just kind of grow slowly over time, grow slowly over time. And then, um, you know, I got John, I don't know how John heard about me, but I believe he asked Sean, Hey, like, what do you think about Joey? Um, like I, I need a coach for nationals or something. John had just done raw unity. If for those of you that don't know, raw unity used to be like the, think of like, it was like um, it was like a super Arnold. It was like the best lifters across the world, untested, tested, doesn't matter. Jesse Norris, everybody was there, um, and uh, Lily Bridges, freaking Brandon Lily, like all those OG names, um, and they would all go compete. And uh, John Hack did that, and he did like a, I think he went like four or five for nine, and he had like a really tough weight cut. So he got he linked up with me at. I want to say around May or April, and we started prepping for Raw Nationals, the first one that he did in 2015. And, um, yeah, I just continued to grow the team over time. I believe at my first Raw Nationals, I only coached eight to ten people. It was something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were all – and I had people that were relevant, which is pretty – like uh, I coached a 59 at the time, Shorty Sedang. I don't remember if he won. It was like first or second. He was, he was strong. And then John won. Um, and that just kind of – we just started to gain momentum from there. And, you know, I wouldn't say we really exploded until like, we kind of went through the whole prep. And then once we won worlds against Brett Gibbs, my life changed from that point. Mm -hmm. Like everything changed from that point. That is when, um, you know, I, I, my emails exploded. I started getting tons of people hitting me up. And so I am forever indebted to John and Gibbs for that because Gibbs had this big YouTube where he would hype it up, hype it up, hype it up. And then John was a very known lifter building up to this one pinnacle meet. I believe the viewership was like highest at the time that for any, any showdown ever. Candida was there. I remember he went to go eat with us after, um, in Colleen, Texas. And that was really like the turning point. And that's what, that's when I really kind of realized I always had this confidence, like my, my confidence and my mindset was all like, was at, you know, I envisioned that I could be where I am, but I hadn't, but I'm not there yet. And then you just kind of fulfill that idea. Right. So you have this, you have this idea that you can be this, this coach, this lifter, whatever. And you do, you do things to kind of end up at that point. Right. So it's almost like, in your mind, you know the road you want to go down, but you know, so you keep doing the things that you need to do to get there. And then the world around me would like literally shape into that. It would like, it would like, it would like happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, um, 
you know, 2016 Nationals, we had a way bigger team. Uh, I believe we entered men's open. I mean, uh, you know, when I first came into powerlifting, a lot of coaches would tell me, hey, bro, nobody cares about the team awards, bro. And I'm like, great, I'm going to try to win them all. So, you know, people would always tell me that. They're like, if we, if we wanted to, we could just – you know, we could like make a stack team of all these lifters that like have nothing to do with anyone and we would just win. And I was like, well, I mean, do it. You know, I, I, I want my guys to feel like they're a part of something. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So we won men's open for that. And I believe John won, uh, like men's best men's lifter. And he got like a plate. It was like a, it was like a weird kind of like a, literally like a, it looked like a plate that gold letters on it. Uh, uh, I ran into Russ at the bathroom in 2017, I believe. I didn't even know him. Um, he was like, oh, shit, you're Joey. I was like, oh, what's going on, man? And he's like, hi, I'm Russell, da-da-da. And then, you know, I'm thinking about, like, joining the team or whatever. And I remember Sean mentioned him to me because Sean's, like, looking at his competition. And um, But, you know, me, I'm just like, all right, well, if he hits me up, he hits me up. And then he hit me up. And then we did meets. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he won Nats. And then we kind of just built from there into – it was like a snowball after that. I would say 2016, the belief had to be there in myself to do it. But 2016 worlds really made me say, I want to continue to push it, to go to worlds. I want to get back here. I'm not going to be a one hit wonder. I'm not going to be a one and done type of person. It's not a fluke. I'm going to come back to this meet and I'm going to do it with different lifters. And I've done that. And, you know, over and over again. And I just, and I'm just very thankful that, um, things played out the way that they did. You learn from every experience. You kind of get sharper and, and you just kind of get, you know, and, and now flex is what it is today. Mm -hmm. What, What I would tell newer people is like when people say, Hey man, how do I get into coaching? I'm like, well, if you're trying to do it like me, not everyone is going to get lucky and coach a world champion. And that has eyes on it like that. You know what I mean? So I would tell them it's very saturated it's stupid saturated when you post about coaching it's kind of it's kind of like uh maybe distasteful i'm I'm trying if you have a better word you know let me know but it's you know like you have a lifter that have done a couple meets and then they like now now taking clients it's like yeah i don't don't know what you mean i think there's especially the time you came up through coaching there was really nothing out there that was um that was attractive for lifters. And now there is now there's yeah. so many different coaches and there's so many different ways of doing things. So I think now the way that people get through coaching is not necessarily when you see people post a little bit too much of their athletes, it's like, okay, you know, we see your athletes doing well. So now I see people trying to market themselves as far as like, okay, here's an informational video. Here's some, here's some ideas I have. This is the approach I take with my clients. And like, now it's now you really have to grind in order to get noticed because especially when people come up as a new coach, people are so ready to shit on that person. So ready to yeah, shit on that person. Yeah. Being like, what the fuck does this guy know about coaching? It's like, can you give the guy a fucking chance and let him coach first? Like, you got to start somewhere. And now it's so saturated that it's hard to get a start because you have so many people like, uh, you know, putting their nose up to them because it's the sport is now where it is. It's actually like a testament of how successful the scope, the sport has grown. But at the same time, it's like you guys are just like almost bullying people away from coaching and telling them not to get involved. Yeah. In it. Granted, there's some shitty coaches that should that have no busy, uh, that have no business getting, you know, their start in coaching because they had a few, you know, good meets under their belt and a few mm-hmm. good friends who got them to that position of, you know, um, coaching wise. But 
that's it, it's a different sport now, say in 2014. Yeah, absolutely. Things things have changed a lot. I will say that everybody. There is a level of coaching for ev- everyone. So if you've done if you've done five meets and you know a little bit, you could coach a beginner. You, yeah. you could coach someone that doesn't know anything about anything and probably help them do well in their first meet. But, you know, I've really kind of built myself as someone that says, hey, if you're a regular person that nobody knows about and you have potential, I could take you to Worlds. And I have proven that and I have shown that. You know, I've yeah. taken guys like Keiko, who nobody knew who John Keiko was. Nobody even cared about him. Uh, you know, 2016, 2017, I remember he played, he wouldn't even have made prime time. There was no prime time at the time um, when he first started. I think he got like, he was ranked like 14th or something at 2017 nationals coming in. I believe he placed fourth Mm -hmm. and then he placed fourth again in 2018 with completely different, you know, just a whole another year. And then he blew it out of the freaking park at 2019. He absolutely annihilated. I think the next closest person was like 40 kilos away or 25 kilos away or something crazy like that. So, you know, he is an example of someone that is unknown, has potential. And we had some, we had a little rough start, you know, like he would have trouble with depth and, you know, technique and things like that. And then we just kind of like shape him up. Mm -hmm. And then over time you build him up, you give him that confidence. He starts to trust you. And now he's, you know, and then he wins nationals. And, um, like I'm very, very, very proud of what we've been able to do with Amanda, for example, like she, was going like four for nine, five for nine. Like she, you could tell she was strong, but she just wasn't executing. It just wasn't there. You know what I mean? And then I remember after, I believe it was either, I think it was 2019 or 2018 Arnold. 2019 Arnold, I think she was just like, like I I can't keep having these four for nine meets. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I have potential. And um, she was, she had already been a little like cordial with me from the, prior nationals like she you know got along really well with us and um that means a lot to me like when i take somebody on the team if i know you're a cool person i'm gonna kind of like i'm gonna give you my ears a little bit more if that makes sense yeah and now she just she just had a nine for nine meet she went uh eight for nine at worlds and i'm really proud of that right not only did we improve on her numbers but it's more so the execution shaping her up making her just um just kind of perfecting things a bit so Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's how I like to do it. Also, uh, I'm, I do, I do do what you said. Like I do post on YouTube. I don't like doing Instagram so much just because, um, I noticed in the beginning people will just say what you said and never at you. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm just like, I don't really like that, but at least on YouTube, I get a view. (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, I have seen things that we did back in 2016, 2015 kind of ripple throughout powerlifting and kind of really help, you know, yeah shape how things are today and and i see it all the time um you know and and yeah so i like to just show results this covid thing in the beginning i was like if my whole gimmick is like look we won this look we won this look Mm -hmm. we won this and i'm not and there's no nationals to win there's no worlds to win there's no sheffield to win you know there's not there's not there's nothing of that to show then how can i continue to do that um and somehow we've been able to grow during this COVID time. It's like, you know, I, I just started going, hey, I just been consistent on YouTube. I started streaming on Twitch. I just tried to be more interactive with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do post my lifters in my story, but it's usually me just saying like, hey, I see what you're doing and I'm proud of you. If you want to mute my story because of that, that's fine. But, um, you know, I want them to let them to let them know that, right? Yeah. It's, it's just like another way of me saying, hey, I'm not afraid to show you to others. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, man, I, I said this years ago. If you do a good job, it, it takes care of itself. Yeah. If you do a good job, people are going to talk. People are going to notice. And um, it is going to ripple out. I do think there is a little bit of luck involved. Like you do have to um, be at the right place at the right time. You know, you need to have eyes on you and, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, it's it's I think that if I think the next Nationals, we're really going to see you know, people that are kind of breaking out, making their name in coaches and stuff as a coach and things like that. Like if you show a pattern of, okay, you have strong lifters on IG, but you guys always suck in meets. Mm -hmm. I think people are going to see that. Um, You know, if you market yourself as this top lifter, this top coach, whatever, and you continually, you know, have like bad results. I don't think people care about the excuses. I don't think people care about, Oh, well this happened. Oh, well that Mm -hmm. happened. Well, something always happens every time you, it's time to get that W. Something always happens. So, you know, um, shit, you didn't even have to win. Just, just, just improve. Just yeah. do, do good. Like, you know, um, are you, are you someone that values nine for nine or do you just care about like four for nine and the dub? Uh, if you make progress on your total. So if you make progress in all yeah. three of your lifts, you're doing something right. That's, that's always my just advice to people going into their meets is, you know, if, if worse comes to worse, you don't win, and there's a good chance you're not going to win, especially in these high competitive meets, uh, yeah. Nationals, um, Arnold, and all that stuff. It's like, you go nine for nine, and you put a big PR in that total, you fucking, you killed it. Like, when, yeah. for the Arnold, for example, when I competed at the Arnold with Joe Stanek, that was our first time working together, that was the first time <laughs> me having a coach, you know, I went nine for nine, put, I think, 40 to 50 keys on my total, uh, you know, broken American record like that to me, perfect. Like we executed yeah. everything we need to, but we still lost. You know what I mean? And like the victory wasn't there, but it's like, hey, you know what? I put my best shit out there, and some guy put his better shit out there. Like I got it. Yeah, like, I mean, you, you got to be gotta, happy gotta, with gotta, what yeah, you did. There's nothing that, so. bad about what you did. Everybody's, you know, there's a genetic component to it. It's not like. It's not like football or something where even though a guy might be bigger and stronger than you, you might be able to edge him out just from skill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's it literally just if you're strong enough and if you can execute. I do think that you do need to that going nine for nine will set you up. Um, you know, like if you if you say you're up your attempts right, nine for nine can prime you to hit that big PR as opposed to someone that takes like really weird attempts mm-hmm. or you know things like that. Not to mention mentally it does something to you when you only get like one lift, you know what I mean? It can mess people up a little bit. Like if your squats go terribly, that might carry over into the others. Who knows? Some people bounce back, but um, I do think it is important to set yourself up for success. Um, And it's funny. I knew, I knew of Joe Stanek in 2016 when he was an intern or maybe it might've been 2015, 2016, 2015. He was an intern for TSA Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't even think they were going to take him on at the time. I'm pretty sure they were, they were kind of like on the fence and something changed. Um, and he ended up, you know, they ended up taking him and I think he has been an asset. And I think, you know, in my opinion, Joe has like risen up like quite a bit through that little group, Mm -hmm. um, for one reason or another, but he could suck and that wouldn't have happened. Right. So Mm -hmm. shout out to him for proving himself and, and, you know, yeah, you gotta Shut. you gotta grind through that shit, you know. Like, well, that's yeah. one another thing that I think coaches have to realize. I think you compare it to the NFL in a lot of ways. Like, you gotta go through that defensive coordinator stage. You know, what yeah. I mean? that transition of defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, to head coach. Yeah, like, 
a lot of those guys, like when they get that first head coaching gig, it's rough. It's, it's, it's a it's a culture shock for them. And you could look at all these great coaches. Look at fucking Pete Carroll. You know, he's on the yeah. Jets, Patriots. They laughed him out of town. Went to USC. Had to go that, and then he got results there. It's like so a lot of these coaches have to go through that. It's like you had success with maybe with one or two lifters, but now you got to build to that point. And I see a lot of I see coaches doing that. I think Joe. I from when I started working with Joe Sanek, I think he had enough lifters under his belt to have an ex, you know very reputable person to have as a coach. Um, but from other conversations I've had with people, they're like he has improved himself so much, and he's starting to really catch on this this really high level coach that people want to get coached by. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I, I'm like, I didn't know that. I'm like, I knew him as the great coach who coached UU, who coached Pug, who coached all these people. Um, especially the uh, Kyle Power. Um, I could be missing a, a few there, but I know that he was making these guys into real great deadlifters and just you know great powerlifters in that prime time session. That's what I knew him as. I didn't know the yeah. grind. I didn't know the grind that he had to do to get to that point, which is um, which is a difficult one. And I think coaches now, the good ones understand that. And I think the bad ones don't understand that. They just think it's mm-hmm. smooth sailing. You're not going to go through any roadblocks or any sort of uh, any. Sort no, of you're gonna if if you have this expectation that you're just going to be like Joey Flex overnight or something, you're gonna it's going to be like a rude awakening, man. Like you just said, all these nice things about Joe and all those lifters are are great, but and that's 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 phenomenal, and I don't think. There's anything, you know, I think Joe's awesome and um, I haven't really seen anything with him or his people where I'm just like, like, oh, that's a big red flag or oh, he's consistently doing this thing wrong or whatever. Um, but like, you know, people just look at the, not every coach is going to make a team that's going to win Nats every year. Not every coach is going to have five people that can win the Open. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just, it's just going to. There's different levels to it, um, and and I do think that does give me the advantage that we can get the W at the high high meets and stuff like that. Like Sheffield, I would have had Russ and Amanda, like potentially the you know one and two. It was tough competing a formula against Taylor, obviously. Um, Sheffield, I'm telling you, would have changed the game, man. Mm-hmm. This is why I think it would have changed the game. One, they were going to cover it like crazy with film, mm-hmm. but two. I had access to like this little seat chart where it, I could see the stadium and I could see all the like seats that were being taken up. And it was like rows and rows and rows. Think of like not as big as a football stadium. Maybe you take out like the two back rows. I don't know. It fits like, it fits like 1500 people or something like that. It's like uh, and mixed right martial be- artist, like mixed martial art kind of event, like UFC fight. They're usually held yeah, in basketball, like- basketball uh, arenas and hockey arenas. Some- Something like that, and and I and I started seeing those seats fill up, and I was like, "Yo, this is gonna be mm-hmm. this is gonna be a lot bigger than Dude, I thought." I'm gonna have to tell you to stop talking about it because I knew how awesome it would be, and it's like it's like saying, uh, "It's it's it's FOMO, it's fear of missing out." It's like, but you yeah, know, man, I feel you. you. Know it's not gonna I was actually, um, it's, it's like disappointing wanna... every time you hear someone talk about how amazing it was gonna be because it's like, fuck, it didn't it didn't happen, and I was curious if the battles were gonna happen because at that time. It was really interesting too of what was going to happen because the storylines yeah man and that, money's on the line yeah and the storylines of that was too because I think I had Russ on at the beginning of the quarantine for that but it was Atwood seemed to be battling some injuries where I think anyone would have probably put him as a favorite to win before that but then they were um, looking at the training. Charles Charles and the other guy from I don't know what country he that that like. 
If I'm going on formula, they would have been hard to beat too. Like it's yeah. just hard. Like it's just hard to beat the then, smaller guys. And then Gibbs was throwing, you know, throwing up his videos, like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah. Now it's going to be a real. It's going to be an actual battle between them. Then you got the yeah. storyline of Melo versus Lawrence again, and it's like, okay, yeah. With this and then with the good lift formula coming in, Heather Connor, that that benefits her more than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so it was it was going to be an awesome meet, but hopefully they could run that again. Um. I'm confident I, I so. it will happen. Just it's going to be a little while, and I'm telling you, I really think it would have opened up doors. Who knows if somebody from I know you've had this discussion. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody from ESPN sees this and goes, "Wait a minute, this could be opportunity for us." Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I really don't know. It depends how professional it is. It depends how well they do it, and um. Is the viewership there? If who knows, maybe that meet gets fifty thousand viewers. I don't know, which is like very small compared to like literally one chick on Twitch. Literally, yeah. like one girl gets a full stadium watching her every day, which is nuts to me. Yeah. It's crazy, right? <laughs> Remember, powerlifters, you are you are you are not as as you are never going to be as big as a random girl on Twitch. Just remember that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm we'll kidding. Be shout lucky. out to we'll be lucky. We'll be lucky shout out to Valkyrie. <laughs> no, but um, if you just go like per viewer, it's pretty crazy to see like in perspective, like how small powerlifting actually is compared to other things. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, you know, like we had a meet this past weekend where Amanda was competing, and like you could just go like any random video game on Twitch and scroll down. Like oh, some of those guys are going to have more views than that. So it's just, inter- it's just super interesting how tiny we are. Mm-hmm. I know it's important to us. Like we care about it. Powerlifters care about it. But um, I think getting ge- the general population interested in it is going to, is very difficult. I think the UFC does a phenomenal job of that. I will literally be like, who's fighting this weekend. I don't care about any of these people. And then I'll watch the videos that they show you during the week. And I'm like, Damn, I care now. What the heck? Yeah. How do they get me to care there's, like that? There's potential that for powerlifting too. It's just going to take some time, but I think yeah, you're right. Sheffield would have opened a door for that. And I think what when I have explained on the podcast before is I think that ESPN, if they go and see nationals in the Arnold and something like that, it's much better in the shit for powerlifting they do put on ESPN right now. Like currently, it's like it's much yeah. better than that. So I think there's a marketing uh, definitely potential there for a lot of people, and I think. This, it resembles the most like CrossFit, which I think is the most successful strength sport that's broadcasted on ESPN. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a topic um, that me, Russ, and uh, Sean dove really deeply on. So if you guys want to check that podcast out, please do. Now, i got to ask you this, because you mentioned this in your, uh, in your previous statement, how, you know, you're going to have people in the top five in the Open. You're going to have maybe two or three winners, maybe even five winners in the Open. So would you agree with this statement right here? Flex Training Systems is the New England Patriots of the USAPL. Uh, I have been memed as that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a meme of me and John Hack. <laughs> We're turning into Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Um, I that is that is absolutely something that I try to emulate. I want to create that dynasty. I, if you want to go just off of like, like people that I work with or that are under the umbrella umbrella of flex. I don't think my other coaches have people like that right now. Internationally, um, we do have some guys, but uh, you know, people that I work with directly just showing up to nationals and taking a lot of those slots. Um, I think it is undeniable. Like it's there. It's in its history. It's already been done. Like you're going to see, you know, Oh, Joey coached these, this group of, 
guys that won their division, you know, uh, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, and 2020, man, I'm telling you, like, I literally, I kicked myself because I'm like, we would have had Jesus versus Ray, which would have been mm-hmm. nuts. Amanda would have done crazy stuff. Obviously, you know, Russ and Sean again would have been sick. Um, Keiko obviously has been just in the bunker hibernating, just like chomping at the bit to mm-hmm. get out. Uh, Delaney's coming up, you know, Gruden, John Gruden's coming up. Shout out to the Raiders. Um, you know, there's all these dudes, uh, there's all these people coming up and, and, and that is just like an opportunity, you know, that isn't, there. I have tons of teens and juniors that people don't really know about that would have won their division. And it's just like, you know, yes, it, I, I do try to emulate that. I do want to create that dynasty and, um, like, like we talked about a little bit before we got on that. I understand that already by saying that that's going to make some people angry. Mm-hmm. You can't be good at something without someone being envious, someone being hateful, somebody being, you know, they try to diminish your accomplishments. And I'm not, you know, I, um, I get it. I understand that. For example, there are going to be people that don't like Russ shit. When I coached Sean, there was a lot of people that absolutely hated Sean. Sean just somehow still, still gets that. Still, still, still. <laughs> right? Somehow, right? There's people that hate, ha- didn't like hack. There's people that don't like whoever. Uh. Um, and I understand that by being somebody that wins at something, there's always going to be somebody else that won't shake your hand. That's not going to be okay with it. That's not going to recognize your consistency, your ability to take different people, elevate them, and make them relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just not going to care about that. In my opinion, I don't know. I like, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I think, um, it, like if they say, yes, I understand. And I recognize that, but I still hate you. I mean, I guess that's better than nothing. Yeah. I respect, I respect every coach that is there at nationals, every coach that is there at nationals with their people in the trenches. Uh, you know, like for example, RTS is there. TSA is there. Um, freaking, uh, Oh my God. What's his name? Marcellus is there. I think Marcellus got a little taste of it at the last nationals and it was a little, you know, it was a little bumpy with some of the, some of the way things played out, but I think he will continue to learn and he has an opportunity to remedy some of the things that were wrong and really, you know, make a splash with Ashton, Shay, and, um, is her name Jasmine? I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong. I don't want to get beat up. You know, he has a chance to make a splash with that. Um, Joe Stanek. I've seen Joe Stanek as an intern that nobody knew about. Come up into this guy that you, you know, someone that you look up to maybe in a way or, or you know, that you trust for your coaching. I've mm-hmm. seen that. Um, uh, shit, I don't even know if he does it anymore. Eric Bodhorn, that motherfucker <laughs> kills himself. Um, he's he's very, he's super, like, low-key about it, but he's working really hard. So I recognize these other coaches. If you guys beat one of my lifters and it comes down to the wire, I'm going to come up to you and shake my hand. Yeah. I'm I, like, no matter how, no matter how bitter or whatever, huh. like, um, and I'm not going to lie. There are times when um, I literally have to, if I'm prepping for nationals, and I know what we could potentially get. I know what we could get. I'm like, yeah, we could win. We could win five of the. We could win all five of, of our entries for the team award, right? Mm-hmm. We could win all five of them. If if seeing my opposition, if seeing my, if, if I have a lifter, I don't know if um, I don't want to put this person on blast because it's like kind of personal. But I had a lifter that had to get off social media a little while back because seeing seeing 
the opposition messed with him or her mentally. It messed with him or her mentally, yeah. right? And and I was like, yo, I think you should just stay in the pocket right now and focus on you. And and you don't need to watch that because let's say you're having a good training day and you're looking at your number one competitor and they just shit on the day that you had. Yeah. That might mess you up, right? Yeah. So I tell them, you got to stay in your lane, man. You got to focus on what you're doing. And, you know, shit, I might need to do that. I might need to say, I, if I feel so good in, in what I'm doing and I'm very confident in something working and I see an opposing viewpoint, that might derail me a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. If, I, if I know that something is working and I want to stay that path, I might need to remove that from my feed in order to just continue on this path that I'm on. Now, you don't want to be closed-minded, but at the same time, you know, social media is a tool and you can literally control what is in front of you. Not all the time, but if you see something you don't like, you can make a change on it, right? Um, and I think, I think manipulating that and being able to put yourself and your lifters in the best mental state possible to be successful is like, it might even be more important than the programming. It might even be more important than like a lot of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if like, let's take Ashton, for example, if he doesn't believe with his genetic capabilities and his work ethic, if he believes he is the lifter that he can be, he's going to perform a lot better than somebody with his capabilities, but kind of mentally just not there. doesn't really have a lot of confidence, you know, second guessing himself. Like there's a lot of lifters like that. They are strong. They can do really well, but they don't like, they just don't have that belief or they're letting their surroundings, especially younger junior lifters. They, they have so much potential to be something. They could be the next wave. They could be the next generation, but they're looking at the open guy or they're looking at the guy that's, you know, a couple years older than them that's hitting more. And they're just like, Oh man, like I'll never beat him. How am I supposed to get there? Mm-hmm. You know, how's Angelo supposed to pull 750? He's only pulling like 700 right now. There's no way he'll pull 750. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then you do it and you're just like, how did you get there? You, you just, you just keep training, chip away at it. And over time you, I didn't know that I was going to be Joey flex to, as of today. I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or anything, mm-hmm. but it's like, I had a wait list. So I got coaches and now Mikey and Will have a wait list. Yeah. That is a testament to what we are doing here. Yeah. I'm currently in the process of like bringing more people up to speed and I'm, you know, constantly in communication with Will and Mikey for when they open up. But it's like, you know, that is, that is, that is what you, that is what you want to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you, that's what you want to happen. Um, and I try to give my coaches that same confidence. Like, yo, you are a part of this team right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have been to the end of the earth and back. We have seen it all. We have seen everything that you're going to go through, through your lifter. For the most part, there's been a scenario that's been similar and we have that to pull from, which should give you confidence in the methods, you know, that you're, that you're doing right now. So man, I'm a huge on mentality. I have a million videos on mentality and, and I've been recently trying to really explore a lot of, a lot of tough mental things to talk about. Because I feel like by lifters kind of like, wow, this gives me a lot of anxiety and literally terrifies me. I want you to talk about it. I want you to kind of go through those feelings and understand it. It's almost like a therapy thing. Like when you have a, a if you have an ailment or, or, you know, some lifters have told me they hate competing. They fucking hate it because it's like stressful, right? Yeah. Just compete more. Live in that. Live in that stress, Right you'll 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 start to come to terms with it and you won't be as afraid of it as much and then you can start to kind of have fun with it at the end of the day right i know we put a lot into this but we are we are lifting weights we are trying to improve you do your best to win but if somebody outdoes you you got to shake their hand that's that's Mm -hmm. you know it is it is it is what it is yeah um 
I'm sure that you've inspired your opposition in some way if you truly are great. How many lifters do you know? They'll like see the other lifter do it and like try to lift something similar to them, or they'll try to like oh, one up happens. them. Somewhere. That happens quite often. I see a lot more people now, just even through personal, just trying to you know deadlift something close to seven fifty. Where now it's you know like oh seven fifty is doable. It's like you're trying to push past that. But I mean, I mean, granted, from so from, through my personal experience in this sport, the reason why I bought it to New England Patriots because I think there was a same like there was the same pattern with the New England Patriots as to you. Because 2016 is when I started lifting and, um, you know, did a lot of my local meets, did APF stuff, and didn't really give a shit about anything else aside from, you know, myself and just having fun in the sport. But then you start to build momentum and you get good at it. Then I was like, all right, you know what? I'm a drug-tested raw lifter. I got to compete in USAPL. These are, these are where the guys who are the best of the best compete and I want to be that person. So then you get d- deeper into social media. And then I saw Team Flex. And I was like, I'm like, I was marveling at it. I Because it was at the time where it was around 2016, 2017, where it was Russ, Sean, Hack, Lawrence. You, you started building all these people. And you just had no choice but to, you know, marvel at it. And I think when Belichick and the Patriots in 2001 won their first Super Bowl, everyone was a Patriots fan. Fucking how can you not love the Patriots? They were this underdog team who beat the greatest show on turf. By the way, if you guys don't understand any of the football analogies I'm throwing at you, watch more fucking football because it's a great sport. But, Let's go! But, but, like, how could you not love that team? Even when they beat the, uh, the Panthers. Like, fucking, they just, they're, they're cutting into a dynasty. They took the sixth overall, dra- the sixth round draft pick and becoming a dynasty. Then they beat the Eagles. Like, all right, now they're just fucking good. Now they're just, the ba- and then, that, that was, that, but that was just happening to me, too, when I was looking at that. It's like, Okay, now you just want to see these motherfuckers lose. It's like because they're winning so much and they're dominating the league now. You know, they're 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 starting to have those MVP type players, and it was it was like that with me where I think it was during 2019 Nationals, I was seeing so much of Team Flex, Team Flex this, Team Flex that, and it was one fucking picture that like got me like the competitive juices flowing. It was the Fucking, I think you're the creator of all the uh, Marvel and fucking anime references that go on to USAPL. But I saw the picture, it was you, Russ, Hack, and Nori. And it was at the Endgame poster. And it was that, I'm like, dude, I just want to beat these fucking guys. I'm like, I am nowhere near that point of, like, even challenging these guys. But I'm like, I gotta make it my mission to beat them. You know what I mean? And that was my, like, my view on the Patriots. Was like, I hope... I mean, fucking the Bears will never beat them. But I was hoping, like, a team would come up and just kind of, you know, you know, and and it happened. You know, the Giants, you know, took them. And that was sweet because they were dominating the league. And then the Giants uh, surpassed them. But it was like that with me. But then I had to take a step back because it wasn't any hate. It was all through respect. I was acknowledging that you guys were the best. But it's like I just maybe want to be part of the opposition that takes that away. You know, and I think that's what happens in competition but part of me had to reel it all back especially when i got deeper and when i started to get coaching and just be like you know what now you gotta just tip your cap because you can't you can't go that long without acknowledging greatness you know what i mean you can't really go that long you can still claw and fight your way to beat those people i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and call out russ because there's no fucking business of me calling out russ 
fucking it's it's not even close. There's a big disparity between us. But is it, my goal is to get to that point, even if he's not even in the 83s. Like, of course, you want to beat his world record. That's why they're there. And you guys have set that precedent where you guys want to, you know, where you have other lifters trying to beat you. So that, like, I think that's a perfect analogy. And I think even throughout the whole process of, like, a dynasty, people start to nitpick the success. You know what I mean? I'll bring up 2019 as a good example of that. Because 2019, I I don't know if you were hearing some of the hate that was going your way, but in those inner circles and powerlifting, there was definitely criticisms of victories. You know what I'm saying? It was a victory, but it was still being criticized. And from your perspective, it's like... It's kind of crazy, right? A little bit, yeah. It's, it is crazy, but I think this is what happens when you're on defensive now. When you're on defensive, it's like you're just constantly battling and putting out the fire and trying to stay on top, where it's actually a better position to get to that position. Um, another good uh, another good example is you know Michael Jordan with the Last Dance documentary, where it was a relief not losing, as opposed to it was fantastic winning. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. When I saw it's... in 2019, it was like, which there the, the, there was criticism, especially with Russ with squat depth. There was criticism with that, but I'm like. You know, I could criticize him all I want, and I was one of the people who were like, you know, I, I saw he was squatting high throughout his prep. Where was the changes? Like, I would like to see the changes, but I'm like, well, he won. You know what I mean? So I'm like, should I just, I should just stop there. I'm like, he I know won, what's, so what's weird with the whole depth thing is like, he got three squats at IPF Worlds. Yeah. But his yeah. squat at IPF Worlds were noticeably lower. Um, I think we made changes since then. I don't know if you guys saw his last little mock, but like, I'm very happy with, yeah, his, with his that. His depth is, is, has been fantastic. That meat, yeah. there's some weird stuff, dude. They made him change his singlet. They made us like, I had to get him to wear his belt higher. We had to flip the singlet inside out. And we had a head, we had a, one of the jury was like messing with us the entire time. And it was just like, I was just like, yo, like we're, we have like three, li- we're three lifters out and you're telling us this stuff. Like, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? That was, that was, that was, uh, I will say in my whole powerlifting career, Jesse Norris against, um, break or not breaking. What's his name? Dave Riggs, uh, John hack pulling his last pull against Gibbs freaking like all the high stress moments in my powerlifting career. Uh, did not amount to the pressure of Russ about to bomb out <laughs> at nationals. I was like, I yo, it, I've called I, lifts. Yeah, I felt where it in it, the room. I felt it in the room. It was dude, the attention in that room was nuts. I have called lifts where I will li- we will lose $30,000 if we don't get it. Right? John Hack at what's it called? Uh, what's that me called? Is that record breaker? I, yeah. Uh, Pioneer, Pioneer. no, not record breaker. It was Pioneer. Oh my god, what the fuck was it called? I don't know. It was against Ben Pollock, I forget. $30,000 on this attempt. No pressure. Mm-hmm. And it was not enough pressure as Russ potentially bombing. I was like, bro, I am about to get memed into another... But we got it, so it's all good. Well, I mean, and, and, the, memes, and the memes still happen, in fairness. The, internet the memes still happen. The, the, the internet doesn't happen. sleep. But, but I gotta but, ask um, you, like, throughout the... the, the prep the criticism that russ was facing through nationals was a squat depth in training i tell i tell him i tell him like i tell him all the time but you guys got to understand that breaking an old bad habit and ingraining a new good habit yeah. it takes time yeah. and sometimes you might like he might do it at worlds 
but then you kind of have off season and da, 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 and you know you're saying it and you know it's close but i remember saying i probably said it hundreds of times i would bring it up i would always bring it up i would say we need to get your feet a little bit wider you need to raise your belt higher so that way when you actually you know break at the hips and knees when you hit depth you don't need to think about it you're just at depth you don't need to constantly try to go any deeper da, 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 this and that so there's a lot of little things here and there. Um, I think we pull this belt up higher because sometimes the SPD belt, especially because it's super thick for smaller guys, especially if you have bigger inner thighs, um, it is going to, uh, it's going to hit the belt. And the only way you're going to hit depth is if you round. And when you have a lot of weight on your back, you're can't, yeah. you're not going to round as much. So you're just going to squat high. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's is the thing, but we've made, we've made those changes and you know, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better with it, uh, more confident with it. Amanda just competed. She's had weird depth, too. She just went three for three. Mm-hmm. Granted, it is a local with national refs, which is weird to me. I don't even know what that is, but, you know. I would um, count it still. There's things yeah. to be nitpicky about. That's not one of them. It's like when yeah. people are, it's like, especially this fucking year, it's like. Um, this year's kind of just like. The, yeah, I did those power rankings recently, and it was like. Because I'm doing the female one, obviously, Amanda Lawrence is going to be number one. Um, actually, as this episode drops, you guys will see the power rankings. So Amanda Lawrence is number one, but I did the power rankings, and people are like on this like crazy spectrum between now starting nitpicking like the local meets. I'm like, guys, if, if it's a powerlifting meet, we gotta accept it, especially a USAPL one. I'm like, because we have nothing else. I'm like, we can't do this. We can't. We can't go on this. It wasn't a national. It's like, guys. What the fuck are you watching? Nationals didn't exist. All we have this year is the Arnold, and that was in March when the pandemic started. <laughs> like, even the Arnold was, like, a fucking weird situation. Like, we yeah. have that, and now we have local, like we have actual meets. I'm like, and, because uh, with the whole thing was with, with why I left Russ off the list. I'm like, guys. He I, didn't compete this year. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, guys. And also, I'm like, it's a power ranking. I'm like, you guys got to watch more sports. Power rankings are like the people who are currently, you know, it's like yeah. if somebody puts somebody puts the Chiefs above the Steelers in a power ranking, that doesn't mean the Chiefs are a better team. Than they're the just Steelers. like more gassed up right now, yeah, you know. Like, right it's now like they're they're, playing, they're on a better like. You guys got to watch more ESPN or more like sports. Did you watch there. the last game with the Chiefs and um, the Raiders? Oh yeah, bro. That last <laughs> minute forty, I was like, Mahomes is a cheat code, man. Yeah, I'm he's just, amazing. It's amazing, but like, but for that example, it's like if you have that, and like you might put the Steelers over the Chiefs because the Chiefs struggle with the Raiders. But like, that's what people aren't understanding. I'm like, of course, I'm not going to count mock meets in this, but actually, it's a good like for 2020. You you posted something great with like, does this year like count? And and we can even do it in the powerlifting aspect because I think I'm getting helped a shit ton right now. I'm like. The, the end of the year rankings because I just know that there's not a lot of 83s who've competed this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't get your definitive stance on that. Does this year have this big asterisk next to it for anyone who's competed? Does 2020 have an asterisk next to it? Here's the thing. The reason why I posted that and I wanted to get people's feedback is because like I said, I saw, um, is his name LeVar Ball, the dad of LaMelo and all them? Yeah. Yeah. He said that in the bubble, NBA players can control all the variables. So they don't need to worry about all these external things. There's no travel. It's all that you literally, you go to the hotel, you train, you go to the hotel, you train, you go to the hotel, you train, right? So I started to think about powerlifting and I said to myself, is it easier for people 
to focus on lifting right now during COVID times. Everybody's gaining weight. I don't know if you've seen some of these people hitting these mocks, but you know, they're looking about two, 250. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, um, by the way, uh, I believe Russ woke up the next day at 191 and was about 198, 189. The day before, so in case people are worried, I'm not talking about him. Um, well, but uh, you, you, you kind of are, right? Uh, I mean, he knows. I mean, I I'm very knows, good. But... I'm very good about reining my people in. Here's the whole thing, right? Yeah. I'm very good at setting the expectation. I do feel like I'm kind of like, hey, man, I know you're on a high, but we didn't, you know, we didn't weigh in, and we're gonna have to do it legit now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I just don't want people to be like, oh man, like. I did this mock meet and I hit these numbers. I'll cut 15 pounds and I'll do that in a meet. No problem. That's exactly what I'll do. You know what I mean? No, yeah. it's, that's not going to happen at all. Not only that, but you're going to have to travel. What happened to me at the Arnold? I was scheduled to lift at 6 p.m. or 4 p.m. or whatever, right? Or 2 p.m. and then yeah, lift at 4 two. or something. It was supposed to be 2. And then they moved me up to like early. Yeah. And I'm like, let me tell you, as a large person at the time, I'm a little bit smaller now. Uh, I was not counting on that and I did not, I felt like I was still waking up when I was squatting my 750. So I'm just like, Hey, you can't control those things. Things happen, you know, it's different. So if you're hitting, if you're competing in a meet with national refs and you're getting your lifts, um, I do think that it should count, right? If there is no opposition there and it's not like nationals and there's international travel and all that, it is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we should say, nah, these, 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 you know, these meets don't count completely, but they, but it's not the same as when you have a guy that's literally neck and neck with you. You need to call the perfect final third and hope that they miss theirs or something like that. It is a little bit different. There's a lot more pressure there. The whole process of going to nationals, seeing all your opposition, being in that prime time, you know, warming up, the anticipation, the excitement, all that. It's completely different with the crowd there. When the pressure is on, who is going to show up, right? Now, if you're hitting a mock meet and you're and you're saying that, like, yo, I'm going to hit this mock meet where I can control everything, um, just like on the platform. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're going to – you're not just going to – like, I, like if you even ask Russ, he's not just going to slot in 1906 as his 83 kg total. No. Although he did have – they did have flights. They did have refs and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, I, my brother sent me his, um, his lifts from the meet, and I was looking at them. And I'm like, you would not have gotten a star command here because you did not even lock your arms on this bench. Like, your arms are clearly not even locked on this bench. And then I hit up Rob, who was the head ref. I'm like, Rob, what is going on? And he was like, oh, yeah, like, low-key. I was just like, we're just giving him whatever. <laughs> I was I was telling Russ, I was like, did you get your last pull? Because it looked like your grip was kind of going there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I keep my guys honest. So my people, I'm going to be on them. I'm going to kind of like, hey, I know you're happy about this, but let me go ahead and rein you down and bring you back to reality because, you know, this is what we're going to have to deal with. I kind of always, this is why I really enjoyed the podcast with Taylor because Taylor understands, you know, he's like, yeah, I did a I did a meet at a local meet and I blew up numbers or whatever, but he's like, I'm, I don't have to go to work. I'm, I'm working from home. I'm like more, you know, I could just control everything. Like I'm chilling. Like it's just train. It's just work at home, go to training, come home. It's not like, all right, got to get on a plane, got to fly here, got to do this, got to do that, like his normal like work schedule or whatever, right? So it was a lot easier for him to work on it. So he's kind of being like, you know, it has been better for me during COVID time to just focus on powerlifting because I can control those variables, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, 
you know, that, 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 what did he pull? He pulled something stupid in the gym, like seven, uh, he pulled, well, he pulled 705 at the meet, which was, I think he could have been good for, you know, a, a little five bit more. Kilos more. And then he pulled like 770 with straps. Yeah. With a deadlift so I straight up asked him, blunt, straight up, I was like, are you going to pull 775 in a meet? And do you care about what you just did in the gym? He's like, fuck, no, it's not IPF. It's nothing. It's, it was pound plates. You know, I didn't cut away all that. You know, so he's very honest. So I just want people to set the expectation. I don't want people to be like, oh, my God, look what I did in the gym. And, I, you know, I'm going to hit this in the meet. And it's like sometimes, sometimes not. You know, you just have to open smart, gauge where you're at, and then finish with what you have on the day. I think the p- performances of 2020, I will say this. I, I do think there are lifters that competed in 2020 that when they have opposition – they're going to have to pick different numbers. For example, Sean Hay, 25 at his last meet, right? Yeah. This is clearly lower than Russ's 833 from freaking last year, right? Mm-hmm. If Russ is competing and Sean is doing everything he can to try to pull last, which is debatable if he even could, right? Because obviously, I mean, Russ's delta has blown up a lot. I mean, I don't know. If, if Sean tries to pull last, that 825 might look like 810 because mm-hmm. he had to jump a billion to try to chip you know, you see what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. like things are li- like, like you I, could just kind of, go when I got the feeling of nationals. I like, I didn't realize that I didn't realize yeah. that I'm like, I, that's why you, that's why you fucking come. That's why you show up to nationals. That's why you bring yeah. your a game to nationals because you can say, I say if, if Sean has to take these jumps and has to knock himself out, it's like, okay, normally if we have our best days, Sean's beating me, right? Like, 825 uh-huh. kilo total, my, my best 770, uh, 777 total kilo. That's, yep. come on, that's a huge disparity. But, like, my next meet, we're gunning for over 800. If he has to compete against Russ and he doesn't hit his list, or vice versa, Russ doesn't hit his list, like, then I I'm getting be- chills right now, brother. <laughs> I'm getting chills. I'm about to fire off right now. Go ahead. So I know I, exactly I, where I, you're I going. Could, I could, you know, jump that person for a person, uh, and then those are people that I never thought I would beat. Or uh, it becomes a little bit closer in that situation. It, 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 this is a perfect point, right? If you look at the 2020 total, like the meat performances, there. Is, I, okay, I, definitively, I think there is an asterisk because you can just compete against yourself, mm-hmm. go nine for nine, and put the total that you have on paper. In a meet, you might look at nationals and be like, "Damn, look at Ashton's last." You know, look at Ashton's Nationals. He looks like he had a terrible meet, but people don't know that he was trying to catch Bryce. Yeah. He tried to catch Bryce. He ended up missing on grip or something. Or well, just actually, like my... what happened there, because I had Bryce on the show last week or my last mm-hmm. episode, Bryce was thinking he had no chance of beating uh, Ashton. And then Ashton yeah. started missing his lifts, and he's like, oh, shit, now I have a chance. And yeah. that, that would mean the same conversation happens. Like, this is why you compete. This is why you show up to the thing and try to go nine for nine and put in your best total because – Someone could have a bad day, and you could you could surpass them. And because he said point blank, he's like, I didn't think that you know we saw what Ashton was doing in the gym it was fucking nutty. He was like, I didn't yeah, think I'm I literally pulling up. Um, Ruska. I'm literally pulling up Ashton's meet. Okay, which so let's go back to that uh, nationals 2019 raw nationals. Ashton totaled 887.5. Okay, he just put up 950. Right. <laughs> Now, you may look at 887.5 and be like, oh, he hit 900 before that. He must be off. You know, he's like a weight class up. Like, what happened? But what people don't understand is he was trying. He he took a massive jump because he was trying to catch someone. Because he missed his third, and I calculated this on the day. Two papers ready. 
if Ashton if Ashton makes his third, we're screwed. Like we're getting third place. There's no way around it. We can't. We can't. We can't. We're not. I don't. I don't know if uh, Mikey wants to try to overtake Bryce, right? Um, but if he misses, I can put in this number, which would Ashton takes himself out of the equation, and Mikey will beat Amendola and come in second behind Bryce. So exactly what you just said. If if Sean is trying to pull something, you know, to try to to beat Russ. And he ends up missing that 825 total is going to be smaller on paper, which is why it's not the same when you compete against yourself versus when you have opposition at nationals. That's why I try to tell people, I just want to let people know you're seeing good things on paper and it is nice that you can do that on paper, but at nationals, there are going to be outside forces that are imposed upon you that you will have, you will have to react to them and how you react to them may give other people an opportunity to beat you. Right? So People might not see Angelo. Angelo, I think that's great that you believe in yourself and you're going to total 800, 800 plus. I was just going to say, you know, you're super young. I don't see why that wouldn't happen. And if you keep stacking the chips, don't get hurt. You know, do all the right things. You're going to get there. Right. Um, So you and Delaney might be going, might end up going for second because Mm -hmm. somebody says, because I know Sean and he's like, if I don't get first, I want to die. Yeah. If I don't get first, I don't give a fuck. I don't care about nothing. If I'm not getting first, just kill me. Right. I know, I know that's how he is. That's what he's going to yeah. do. He's literally all or not. Like, if I don't win, that's it. Um, and who knows? Maybe Sean goes, hits everything. We got the nice fat pad. He hits a big fat bench. And now I got to push Russ to 760 or something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't fucking know, right? Yeah. You know, all I know is they're going to elevate each other. Everybody's going to push everybody. And um, I think if Ashton doesn't hit those big totals, it doesn't inspire Bryce to try to do it. If uh, Michael Shea doesn't do it, if Taylor doesn't do it, all these other guys don't know what's possible. So that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I, there's actually a term for it. Uh, Taylor mentioned it. Um, the dude's like a freaking encyclopedia. Just like brings up, like, oh yeah, that, that, that you know that was invented in 1876 <laughs> and it was termed by you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And um, is that an actual term where if somebody does it first, like somebody runs the first five minute mile and then like a million people do it after yeah. that, but until that point, nobody did it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So. There's so much more that goes into it. I, me, obviously, I'm a coach. I'm like super. I analyze everything. I'm like looking why, why, why are things are the way that they are. I'm trying to analyze behaviors, you know, different tendencies and and why people do what they do. Um, but most people don't see that because their mind is just they don't they don't have they have a coach. They don't think this way or or you know it is what it is. Um, I'm not trying to diminish people's accomplishments. All I'm saying is. When 2020 rolls around or 20 whatever and we have a nationals and people go head to head, if you see all these people falling off or they're just getting weaker or they're stagnating or not performing how they did when they could control all the variables during a pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? I know that for some people it's really hard and they don't have money and they can't train and I understand that and I feel for those people a lot. Um, You know, I just told Tina if I could even get a hold of Butterball turkeys, I would love to give some out, right? They're like super rare. They're like PS5s. You can't find them, right? <laughs> so um, I just want people to have the right expectation and understand like, yeah, I'm really happy that I did this, but now I need to make it official. You know, yeah. you always want to – I don't know if you uh, heard any of Tom Brady's interview. Like when they destroyed Green Bay, he was like, yeah, you know, we did good, but like I made a lot of mistakes and I got to mm-hmm. get better. And, uh, you know, hey, you just won a Super Bowl. How do you feel? He's like, yeah, you know, I won the Super Bowl, but, um, you know, we could improve on this for now. You know, it's always like yeah. – I did good, but I, I got to keep myself 
honest. I, I think what we're seeing right now, and this is the case every year, we just have seen it more this year because there isn't any big meets. Um, Nationals, I mean, Nationals is really the, the, the enchilada for these USAPL lifters. That's the whole thing. Like, the Arnold is, like, one thing, but Nationals is the, the, the big Nationals where is, yeah. is, is, is every division. Where, this is where you're all meeting. This is where you're all meeting. This is where the meet is. Like, I, uh, but you, but there's, there's a regular season for powerlifting, and that's your local meet that you do to either qualify for nationals or the Arnold. And I, I often say Arnold's like the All Star game. It's like yeah. the All Star game, and then nationals yes, is like the playoffs and the Super Bowl and all that stuff. So like, um, it, it's I think right now in 2020 we're just looking at projections. We're looking yeah. at people's potential right now. That's all we're yeah. that's all we're really looking at. It's we have this one huge regular season year. Because people are still competing, people are still putting in big numbers, but we don't have the playoffs. And the reason why Tom Brady is talking about against the Packers when they kicked their ass, that was awesome to see because fuck the Packers. But <laughs> um, when he's talking about that, because he knows what's going on. He knows the regular yeah, season yeah. is important, but it's important for the bigger goal, which is the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And that's what we look at in powerlifting. I think it's... Just, because we never experienced this as powerlifters, where they're just there's there's really nothing anymore. There's no yeah. the, the only thing we have to compete for right now really is that end of the year ranking, which is not, which isn't, I guess um like with Ashton and uh, like Taylor, I guess this is the just the testament of how amazing of powerlifters they are because this is what happens when they don't have to worry about placing. They just yeah. put in these crazy ass totals. And really, it's still kind of projecting like, okay, these guys are probably going to finish at the top, right? Like, this is what your projection are going for. Um, if I was a Vegas odds maker, like, okay, Ashton probably. I'm know. not betting against Ashton. Yeah, like I'm minus not minus two hundred, minus two hundred to win or something. Yeah. Actually, probably more than that. Probably like minus three hundred to win. Um, you know, he he's the overwhelming favorite. Same thing with Taylor. And then you see what Perk did. Austin Perkins totaled eight hundred kilos. Like, okay. The projection right now is Perkin is still nipping at Taylor's uh, heels. Yeah. And you're, same thing with Nori and Russ. Like a 25 kilo total, this shows that Nori is still within the same ballpark as Russ. And if they meet again, this is what the projections are telling us. Um, but, like, I do see what you're saying where it's the end-all, be-all sort of thing that people are going through. It's like, okay, they hit this number, boom, this is what's going to happen. No, you're, you guys are looking at, I mean, you could look at every single sport. We bought up the Patriots how many times in this podcast? They went yeah. they went undefeated. They kicked everyone's ass nuts. and then lost in the Super Bowl against yeah. a team that the Giants. I think I think people were like, the Packers are the best fucking team in the NFC that year, right? Like, I was a Brandon Jacobs fan after that. <laughs> <laughs> they, lost against the, they lost against the Giants and shit, so. I just want to point out that Ashton now totaled Ray Williams uh, at his last meet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, shit, brother. Yeah, Ashton's a fucking oh, He's awesome. He's, he's incredible. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. And, like, I think I think everyone, hopefully with the brain, is putting, like, an asterisk by their totals this year at least. Or yeah. just, I mean, not really put it by their totals. Like, this is what you can't hit. Um, but but you got to I mean, do I mean, it I mean, with all the, the other stuff was, on the line. I guess the meet I did was somewhat of a thing where i'm like i don't think it's my true total where if it was say at a different circumstance where i wasn't trying to get one of your athletes deadlift uh-huh. like we would have told probably five to ten kilos more than my previous total 
But we were like, fuck it, we won the meet. Let's go for it. Let's go for a number. That's, we're really shooting for a record here. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you competed in October? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at it. Yeah, with that were one, you... that was a money meet, and that was a competition-based meet where, like, based on my second pull, if I went eight for eight at that second, or seven for seven at that second pull, like, if I hit this, mm-hmm. I'm winning. Like, mm-hmm. we put the number in where I'm going to win pretty much no matter what, and then, you know, then it's like, all right, was your Was your third a YOLO? Yeah, I guess you could call it a YOLO. Did you need 350.5, or was anything over 340.5 a record? So anything over 340. I, I got to chip my own record, mm-hmm. so I got to chip, you know, any mm-hmm. weight I wanted at that point. Anything that you wanted, yeah. yeah. So that was, that so was you could have gone, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, so that was, okay, cool. so it's like, okay, we could have probably did, you know, two and a half to five kilo jump, but we didn't. We made a bigger jump. No, I mean, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying your 775 total is not indicative of how strong you are right now mm-hmm. because you're capable of, uh, what am I going to add, 10 on that? You could, at least, like, 790, 780, you know what I'm saying? This, yeah. That me had different circumstances. That's what I'm saying. There's, if you just want to hit all your lifts in a meet with no pressure, you're gonna have a, infl- you're gonna have a different total, right? Yeah. You're gonna hit something different, right? If you have to compete against people like Mikey's 804 or 805, whatever, I don't need to. I wouldn't really put that on the bar um, unless I had to. I, I, I didn't know he could do that. I was like, hey, man. You're going to have to pull this. If you miss it, this is the consequence. And I do that a lot with my lifters. I'll say, I'll say, you have a decision right now. If you, if you can pull this number, you, you're going to win or you're going to place here. And if you miss this number, this is where you end up. Or we can take a safe jump and, you know, you give them all the options and then they kind of decide what they want to do. And then he was like, I want to do it. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's punch it. We put it on there. He blew it up. And I was like, shit, this kid is a Mikey, by the way, I will say he's one of those guys that made like he can make weight last minute, like literally have tense like ten minutes to hydrate and like somehow he performs. Like I, I, you know what I mean? That just that he's one of those guys. He's a baller. This guy is just like there's no amount of pressure. He he doesn't complain and and not every lifter you know is like that. They need to have those nice controlled environments where there's no stress and there's no lights and everyone can just lift. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like addicted to that. Uh, like, I like it. I like the pressure of it. I like the, yo, everything is on this pole right here, oh, yeah. boys. Oh, yeah. I mean, once you get a taste <laughs> of it, like, it's hard to go back. You know what I mean? You know what like, I mean? It's so like a was, drug. So I, I say this to a lot of people. Like, when I went into USAPL Raw Nationals, I wasn't completely, I wasn't completely sold on staying the USAPL simply due to Illinois not having a big USAPL presence. And most of the people I know compete in USPA. And I was like, all right, well, you know, and then like when I saw USAPL Raw Nationals and I saw that hype and I saw the level of lifters, I'm like, there's no going back. You Dude, can't. it's, 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 you can't go back. You can't go back. There to are the people that haven't experienced it and they kind of like speak on it. And I'm like, dude, just go once. Yeah. That's what I tell. I mean, like I have, I have this new girl right now, and she's like, I don't know what I should do. And I was like, Trust me, if you go to a nationals one time, you're gonna do everything in your power to get back there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have FOMO if you don't go. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that was that was me, like to like to the highest degree was like. I mean, as soon as I stepped foot into the Winston Hotel in Lombard, shout out Lombard, 15 minutes away from my house. But um, <laughs> as soon as I stepped in to that hotel and I saw just the you know. The line of all the guys I know on Instagram, like just getting in the check-in, I'm like, 
this is it. I'm like, how? I'm like, this is never gonna happen. Other federations where I'm just con- where I'm just going to go against every single person I know and compete against them. Like, you, you're not gonna Dude, get. It's like, when I, I walked into I, I, the venue, I, when I walked into the venue, I'm like, this is what the fuck? I'm like, this is incredible. This is amazing. And I Dude, saw it's nuts, time, like, man. It's and I played sports. I played football. I played, you know, with. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen guys six foot fucking two 230 running four threes like they can just insane you know athletes and then i've been in rival games and i've seen all these things and i'm just like it is similar to that but power things like a little bit more intimate and you know i just prime time is just one of the greatest things they could have done for power literally one of the greatest things they could have done um and I think we need to get, they need to have, we need to have cameras in there. We need to have more clout. We need to just get more yep. people on it and just promote the shit out of it and create storylines and, you know, shit. I would, be, I would love it if SBD, shout out Pete, if you hear me, UFC does this thing where like they will, vo- they will send a guy to vlog the travel with the fighter to the airport when they get home into the old hotel, what they're doing and everything leading up to the fight. They literally are doing that as promotion for them. It's like, it's like you give the lifter spotlight and you promote, you get you like, why do I care about this? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. why do I care about it? you're making me care about it? So, you know, it's, I don't know, man. I feel like there's a lot of potential to, to just push it to that next level. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm telling you, Sheffield, I think would change the game. Yeah. I think it would change the game. Yeah. I think, I think we'll see that. Well, I want to bring this up because you bought up, you know, you bought up just Mikey just now. And I just realized like throughout this, I have interviewed so many of your athletes like on the show, like so many of them and I'm future athletes too. Um, Cameron's coming on the show soon. Jesus is probably going to be the next guy. Jesus is my fucking boy. So, um, Isaac too, uh, <laughs> Isaac's a good friend of mine. So, um, they're going to be on the show too, but I had Sophia Rizzuto on, I had Keiko on, I had all these people on the show. So at Delaney, Delaney, you know, huge respect for Delaney. It's at least, yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot yeah. of flex boys. <laughs> yeah. So we got a lot of flex, but so with this arsenal of athletes, is there ever going to be a situation where it's like, it's going to get to a point or it's going to be more extreme where it's these people are going to be in the same weight class and you're going to have to compete. Mm. you know handle and coach the same people going for the same goal because i know you experienced it you know in an extreme sense once but this might just continuously get worse yeah so um i I had somebody ask me i had somebody ask me yeah you know i get what you're saying i had somebody ask me recently um uh on a stream once he said have you ever had to hold back happiness for one of your lifters that beat the other one and i just sat there and i was like um it is probably the most contrast of happiness and and here's the thing sometimes all right 2018 russ versus sean okay let's bring that up um if sean is on point at that meet and he benches what he needs to bench then given the way things went with squat, it would be tough for Russ to win. And I was like, this is going to come down to the last pull and I am going to explode. Right. Mm -hmm. 
but Sean over sodium. I don't know something happened. Like his hands got too bloated and he just couldn't hold the bar and then deadlift exp- died or whatever. So his meat was pretty much botched and it's, and it solved itself. Right. So I was very happy that Russ won, but I was also sad for Sean because he didn't have the meat that he wanted to have. He didn't even have a chance to, he didn't really have a chance to like go for it. Right. To, mm-hmm. to, to do what he was supposed to do. Right. So it kind of handled itself there. Um, you know, I mean, I'm human. I'm going to, anytime somebody, you know, at the, at the time things were different too. Sean was on the team. He wasn't opposition. He was, you know, I want everybody to my whole mindset. And I've explained this many times to my lifters is like, I want the strongest lifter to win. If you're stronger, you're going to win. Some of them are like, great, call them both, do it. Some of them are like, no, I want you to root against them. I want you to root against the other person. Um, Obviously, big drama with Danny and Amanda at Worlds, right? Um, you know, you could argue that, like, I was, like, giving Amanda, you know, more attention, but Sean was there. So, Sean, so Danny had a Team Danny person in the back, right? Sean is not a Team Amanda person, clearly, right? So, for me, it's just like, well, Amanda doesn't have a team Amanda person. I want Danny to make, I want to make sure, I was like verifying all of Danny's attempts. I want to make sure Danny caps out her strength. And if Danny pulls her last third and holds it, I think, you know, I don't know if Amanda wins then because of how hard Amanda's third was. So Danny had it in her hands. And I tried to make it so that I didn't have to play really a role. It's like, hey guys, you guys are both going to pull your third and whoever gets it wins. And I'm just kind of like there, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's like the best thing. Amanda, uh, Danny ends up, you know, locking it out and like slipping out of her hand. Amanda ends up winning. And now one of them, uh, Danny's obviously going to hate me now because I just screwed her out of world. When it, in my perspective, it's just like, I'm pretty sure if you pull that, you win. Um, but I totally see where Danny's coming from and I don't want to bring up old shit, but it's like, um, I, you know, if Sean's not there, maybe, maybe they, she feels more equal. Maybe, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Um, you know, I, I, I hate, I will not, I will. Okay. If I ever am in that situation again, I have a couple options. One, I coach both of the lifters and then on meet day, I give them both the plan and I have my, you know, Mikey, Will or Tina handle them mm-hmm. and they'll do it. And I'm just kind of like not showing favorites. I mean, I'll oversee and make sure we're not doing things stupid. Right. Above all else, we have to be other lifters. We can't just like, you know, try to beat each other, both of them fuck up. And then like, you know, someone else comes up and wins. Right. Yeah. Or, um, when I get somebody like right now, I have a lifter that's like number one in, in a division. And there was another lifter that's his direct opposition that hit me up. And I was like, Hey man, like, I'm going to just let you know, this guy hit me up. How do you feel about it? Um, I will, I will either start him off with Will or Mikey from the get go that way, like they're on flex, but I'm just not directly dealing with them. Or I can do that other option that you said, you know, try to have a middle ground approach because I don't want, I, I understand. I'm very thankful for working with Daniela. I think she's a, I think she's an amazing person. She's like the chillest person you'll ever meet. And also, I yeah. also had her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Danny's awesome. Danny's awesome. And she, she showed me a perspective that I, I will admit I was kind of like, well, you know, you should just, you should just, want the stronger lifter to win. And, you know, she showed me like her, her, she's just very, like her emotions are like genuine. Like I want you to root against my opposition. I don't want you to be neutral. I want you to be on my team. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
had we gone into that and said, Arian, I'm going to have Sean do all of Danny's stuff and I'm just going to do Amanda's at the same time. It's like, it's like, I don't know if that would have made a difference because it's like, well, I want my, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like she wants yeah. her coach to be on her side. Yeah. I guess in the lifter. So I get that. Yeah. At the lifter standpoint, at least in, like in my perspective, like, I don't know. It, it's an extremely tough situation on all accounts because I'm trying to think of this, this through my standard. It's like, it's either, if I know the situation is going to be, we're both coming in the best lifter, you know, months out and stuff, which you could still get that idea. I would probably mm-hmm. take it upon myself to be like, you know, I should probably just maybe get new coaching, like and get and get something as far as that's like, if it's if it's far out. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I, like, you could do it if it's me, last like, minute. Yeah, you're kind of fucking yeah, screwed. Yeah, um, if it's a but, prep, like no, but I'm thinking myself. I mean, that that dictated. It's very. Coaching. It's very. Yeah, it dictated my coaching decision. Like with Joe Stanek was like, okay, who who do I know as coaches right now? Really, it was still a pretty short list. But when you think of it, like, you know, I know this guy. I know Matt Cronin. He's like, he beat me at Nationals. Like, he played, he outplaced me at Nationals. Like, I'm sure he would be a great mm-hmm. guy to coach me. But, like, right now I'm yeah, in the right competition. Yeah. Same thing with Noriega. I'm like, I've talked to Noriega. I had him on the show twice at that point. You know, I talked to Noriega a lot. I, I respect him greatly as a coach and competitor. But it's like, dude, I really want to beat Sean. I, I, I'm like, that. Like that's – if I have to – go through the rankings, he is the big guy you have to beat. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to beat him. That's going to be a weird guy to get coaching from. It's like, Joe Stanek? I don't see too many, like, top... Kind of a neutral yeah. thing, you I know? Mean, but granted, he is coach. I mean, it could happen to me and Jimmy Villanueva, who totaled 775, yeah. and I just totaled 777. We're very close. We're going to be consistently the same total the entire time. Um, so what is Joe going to do in that situation, and how do you feel about him coaching you both? Like, uh, let me ask well, you, what do you, for, what, do, yeah, what do you for, think? From my perspective, from my perspective, mm-hmm. I really, at that point, I don't have the mindset that you should hold back your excitement for Jimmy because I fucking love Jimmy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. me and him are boys, so I want him to do well. I want to just make sure I'm better than him. Yes, you know what I mean. And that is a mindset that a lot of my. Um, uh, but he's a better man that day. Like fucking, you're getting you're getting a hug and a kiss from Angela, man. Like good job. That is that is that is that is the take. That's like more of a bro thing. Like yeah. my guys are like that. Like uh, I mean, a lot of them are like, I don't give a fuck if you coach him or what. I want the stronger guy to win. Whoever strongest is gonna win, right? You're just gonna put the weight on the bar. I'm gonna lift it and I'm gonna leave it all out there. The strongest person wins. I Daniela showed me her perspective of. Wanting someone to be fully invested on your side only, if you're, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Granted, um, you're boys with him, and if Amanda and Danny were boys, right, <laughs> like homies, uh, I think that it might be she might have a different answer. But I, you know, that's I don't think they're friends, and um, mm-hmm. you know, that is perfectly fine. I understand that. Yeah. I think it really comes down to now I'm just going to be open with the lifter. I'm going to communicate with them. Um, you know. Yeah, you're, if, you're handcuffed it, in that situation too because you can't be like, oh, yeah, I think you should get coaching from someone else. Like It's complicated be- when somebody comes up from behind and you've already been with them, right? Yeah. For example, if somebody if somebody comes to me, like by me coaching Russ, that pretty much means I'm I'm not coaching anyone. I'm not ever coaching Sean again, right? Because yeah. – 
Sean would never want to be in that situation, and Russell would be like, fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's fine. And I totally and I totally understand that. I think with Keiko, it's a little bit like, no, nah, come on, bring him up. Keiko would be like, no, nah, coach Charlie Dixon. Coach whoever the – who's the top 93? Burley Bork, do that. Coach him. Let's yeah. go head up. Like, I want you to coach him because I want to be better than him regardless, right? That's that's Keiko's perspective. I coach Isaac, and I also coach John Vasquez. They're both the top 120 juniors, and they love each other, and they want to beat each other, but they, they're kind of like you are. They're like, yo, better man wins, right? Other people, nah, I hate this person. I want them to mm -hmm. just be gone and like you can't like I'm petty about it. I don't care. And that's fine. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just it's just it just happens sometimes. And I was asking one of my lifters this recently and I said, Hey, you're in this division and you're number one right now. I coach this other girl who's newer than you. What if she catches up one day? What what's gonna are you gonna hate me? Am I the bad guy? And she had told me that it is a terrifying thought to know that her downfall may come from within her little camp, from her, her little safe place, her little like family. And I was like, shit, brother, that shit's kind of hard to deal with, you yeah. know? And, and, um, I've realized like over time, like just be open with things, communicate with people, stay loyal to your people and try not to step on anybody's toes. Right. Yeah. At the end, at the same time, you know, um, you know, you, you keep – you ask us if we're like the Patriots and like with Bill Belichick, he would just do what's best to win for the team. Oh, yeah. He would bench a fucking guy who's a pro yeah. bowler and being like, being like, you were late. Uh, you, were, you were late for practice. Um, you're, uh, I want you out of the fucking locker room right now. Like, yeah, I just scored guy, two yeah. touchdowns from you last game, man. Uh, I don't care. Just don't fucking – don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean do you watch pat mcafee ever yeah yeah <laughs> oh shit brother he does a great impression of him but um yeah dude it's like at the same time i am you know i am the the coach i can kind of if i really need to do something i can do it if i but i i don't think uh you know i guess we'll just cross it when it happens for right now you know, I don't see anything immediate. Um, I have I have workarounds for it, and I always try to, like, maintain the integrity of my guys. Mm -hmm. um, I know I said three, but if we have to go 10, 15 over, that's fine. Um, oh, we're good. But, uh, shit, what else was I going to say? But, yeah, man, it's a really it's a really tough thing. And, like, what if what if Shea came to – what if uh, Perkins came to Marcellus? Yeah. I, I mean, we would have to ask – I actually – I had Marcellus on the show, so it would have been a good question. I never really thought about it until – I mean, really, you're the perfect guy to ask because I know yeah. I know the situation between Danny and Amanda at, at that world situation. Yeah. And that well, it's like, okay, that's and that's the biggest stage. You're talking about the best two yeah, females that's in the world. Like, you are yeah. – like, at, at the world – at fucking worlds, too. So it's mm – -hmm. like, you might as well just ask the most extreme case because I think we've seen some – unless – I mean, I'm not too – keen on my powerlifting experience uh, history because i got into the sport you know four years yeah. ago so it could have happened but this is the most recent extreme case that i've seen and i can see it a lot happening with you because what i said recently you know when i get people on two white lights it's because they're great lifters and if they're coming from team flex and they're coming from team flex and this has the opportunity to happen in the future as well but i mean it would have been a great i mean even for joe i gotta maybe ask uh because me and Joe talk quite a bit. I'm like, so, so what's the deal with like what would happen? I mean, I already told you what happened. What would happen with Villanova? But he knows that me and him get along really well. And uh, but like, 
I have to have that honest conversation with him because I never, I never t- uh, talked to him about it. And it's same thing with man. Marcellus. And like I talked to Marcellus a lot. I might have to get him on the show again, just to say like, so you got C over here who's a beast, but you know Perkins is, is direct competition. Are you taking on Perkins? Are you taking on other people? Are you? Or yeah, like I mean, you could even go with all his other lifters. Now I mean, that he's, I he's think coaching about Jamar it. now too. So so Jamar, it's like okay, how about? If I want to get coaching through Marcellus, like you're saying, like Jamar's higher in the pecking order now. It's like even though we're you know pretty close on total, like what's the? I mean, it would that would be a fucking great question for every single coach out there. I I uh, I, didn't, I didn't really think about it till recently, but in 2016, I coached. I had Jesse Norris there, and then two juniors that were going head to head, and they didn't really like. They're like, oh, we're not going to be Jesse. We don't even think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Sean probably didn't care about me coaching John at the time because he's like, oh, I'm beating John, so it's not even a it's mm-hmm. not even a concern, right? So sometimes there is that, like, well, this motherfucker's just so far away, you know, it's just not gonna, you know, you're not really gonna care. What I have done with Sean is, uh, I don't know if you know Brad Coolyard, but he would he would just take Sean for the day, and yeah. Sean was cool with it, and everything worked out. When I and I would just focus on Russ. Um, that way, it's like we have to create like opposition in that little. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we have to create like a little divider, but that is a rare thing, and it's not like every every lifter is going to be cool with that. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm speaking now because I know that number one spot is very far away from me. But say uh-huh. if it was like, I guess I'm speaking. I'm kind of talking out of my ass. You know what I mean? Because my yeah. mentality can, in fact, change when we're in the top three. Hey, you know Amen. I mean? like, uh, dude, it's going to be tight. I like 83s are going to be tight. Um, I think. Well, I mean, what I mean, do you mean? If, Sha- like, if Sean goes nine for nine, he's gonna be close. He's gonna be like, we have to be aware of him. Um, but between Russ and Sean, everybody else, third place. I don't know if we can, I have no idea. Who's yeah, third. Win. Yeah, third place can. Uh, well, yeah, cause I'm like, when you're saying tight, do you mean like third place? Because I'm like, I think one, one and two is pretty wrapped up. I would have to see. Yeah, huge third gain, huge, huge gains from all of us. Uh, Delaney. Um, yeah. A few other guys entered the mix. Uh, actually, you know what, Deuce, he's a guy who's, like, with his unfortunate work schedule, um, like, or not unfortunate work schedule, it's a pretty awesome job to have, but, you know, like, he's a guy who I think gets lost a lot in the 82. Dude, I see him on TV. Yeah, dude, I mean, it's so... I I, I'm like, a, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> dude, I listen to a podcast, and it's cool, I mean, it's cool, like, because they talk about John Gruden, obviously, uh, it's a, yeah. it's a, a sport, sports podcast, but then they always, <laughs> they always bring up Deuce. Yeah, they're like, and, and like, they, like always, they always compare him. Like it's like, oh yeah, it's like, and then they have like, like John Gruden talks about shit, and then they'll just have Deuce Gruden fight all of them. <laughs> it's like, uh, it, it's pretty cool to see that. But um, like he's a guy who gets lost, I think, in a little bit of the translation because he can't compete regularly at Raw mm-hmm. Nationals. He has to find like one or two meets a year to yeah. get on that stage. It's if like, they have a bye week, he could try to pull it off, but it's rough, man, oh, sometimes. Dude, I mean, talk with about, COVID, man, yeah, talk he about, can't be around. And talk about variables. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's not COVID, dude, it's yeah. the NFL. The, gr- the fucking grind does not stop in the NFL. Like, that shit oh, no. is, I, I, I believe from athletes' perspectives, like all the athletes, when they talk about the NFL, they're like, it is balls to the wall always. There's yes. no off weeks in the NFL. Not even. Hey, man, the regular people are season. trying to take your job in that. Yeah, it's like it's like it's it's cutthroat. 
It's if you're if you don't perform, you get less. Be- and that this is yeah, they just you just gone. Yeah, you're like, you're done. Like and it's, and especially at those professional levels, and there's like and they focus on every aspect too. It's oh, not yeah. just offense, defense, special teams. It's you know strength. Recovery. Yeah, the you know, like what what are everything. we doing in the fucking what are, what are the PTs doing for us right now? What are our physical therapists yeah. doing? Like get them the fuck Cut out em. of here. Get them the fuck out of here. They're not doing the yeah. work. Like the head coach and the GM are like nuts. So yeah, I for for Deuce like what people don't understand is like well can he do it in like the summer? Like guys, it's fucking it's the NFL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you're talking about, so you're talking about something else. It, so it is it is very interesting. I think there's a lot of. Um, you know, super interesting things in powerlifting. Um, twenty twenty with the asterisk, we covered that. We covered the the two lifters and the same thing. That's that's. I think that's what I'm just gonna make my next YouTube video on. Like right when I'm done with this, I'm gonna go live and just do it because it's fresh in my head. But um, yeah, good uh, topic too. I mean, that's I think it's something that people want to know because. I I'm actually cool. I actually it's, can't it's just wait cool to learn about too. I actually can't wait till meets happen like like nats and stuff because i want to see all right let's see what happens you did this in the gym or you did this in your oh, mock yeah. me you did this at a local now you got someone there let's see what you do so yeah 2021 hopefully i mean i'm i'm praying 2021 is good you know there's no guarantees that's what people think they think if it's just like not 2020 anymore it's like oh things are gonna be good like i think 2021 we're gonna have to give it a few trial months in order for us to get normal, especially in the world of powerlifting as far as competitions go and like, you know, us being able to meet together. But yeah, I know there's a lot of guys in the woodwork too, who are chomping at the bit who want to get in that top spot and they're, you know, talking a lot of shit too. It's like, yeah, you're, you know, but we gotta, we, you gotta get, you gotta gotta get the season going. I mean, we haven't done the season. You haven't done the, we got to see with the constant, you know, the 12 months, of you doing the local meet, you doing nationals, and hopefully doing the Arnold. That's where the season is. You know what I mean? Like, that's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I just hope that uh, you know this vaccine thing gets done and these cases go down. And um, I have a I have like Keiko right now, and I'm just like, would you compete if you know see how they're running meets now with masks and stuff? Would you compete in that setting? He's like, absolutely not. I cannot risk it. I live at home with older people. I just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, you know and I've I mean? uh, I've spoken to him a lot of times, yeah. and I, I I and it makes complete sense. And like the power rankings too is hard leaving him off that list. Mm-hmm. It's like the top ninety three. I had to throw him an honorable mention because I'm like, because yeah. Keiko right now is the best ninety three yeah. KG guy. But um, yeah, it, it was hard leaving him off that list. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping to see him on the platform. Hoping to see you know all these all these dudes on the platform, and of course hoping for nationals. Got to get that going. Yeah, man, that'll that'll be dope. Yep. So, you well, got any f- rapid fires to ask me? Well, I got. I, well, I got. Uh, well, I think I know. All right. Well, let's do a couple FMKs um, because I think we can do some good ones. All right. Fuck. So, fuck Mary kill anime, basketball, football. Um, uh, fuck anime, marry football. You said basketball? Yeah. Kill basketball. Oh my god. Really? Your first love, you're just going to kill it for I anime. Had to, I had all to. the things. Just, if you listen yeah, to Two White Lights, you know that I make fun of anime lovers in the USAPL at fucking will. <laughs> we, could ta- we could touch on it real quick. Um, So, I mean, okay. Is I just like good fault? storytelling. Is it your fault? I t- 
that everyone in the USA. It's my fault. It's my fault. All right, I'm gonna blame you though. I like good. I like good storytelling, and I think that with anime, I mean, I posted a, a clip of someone else's video where the guy was like, with art and animation like that, you can. You can make a death that much more dramatic. You can make something happen and just it just kind of hits you a little bit differently. You know, we kind of grew up on stuff like that. And um, a lot of lifters, like me and Jesus related a lot on that. Like, yeah. he was like, oh, this guy is a power lifter and he likes anime and we have similar interests. Like, oh, this is my people. And and you know what I mean? So, but but I would say this. If you don't like anime, but you like good TV shows or anything like that, then we are more similar than you think. <laughs> well, all right. So I, because Russ gave me almost the same exact thing as far as like, cause I told him I don't like anime and then mm-hmm. he was like kind of surprised. So he gave me a thing, but I'm like, and I said this in so many episodes, I don't like anime, but I can't be like, yeah, if you like anime, you're a fucking weirdo because I like professional wrestling. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's I mean, like, it's a storyline. I'm, like, story it, it, I'm like, that's, I'm like, and then I realize, like, if I ever say that, it's like, well, that is the most ridiculous thing a grown man could like is professional wrestling. I just want to let you know, Angelo, as young as you are, for you to be that objective and to understand the way, like, you are looking at how you're moving and, like, oh, you know what? I can't be a hypocrite. I want to want to be a scumbag hypocrite. That is like you're gonna you're good man. You're gonna be all right in life. You may you you good in my book. You know what I mean. Most people, people they're just I'm like, like I'm like dude. I I cheered. I screamed in my brother's apartment when Edge came back in the Royal Rumble. When they <laughs> when they played his music, I'm like I cre- like I'm like that is the. That is the sign. That is, is you take it way too seriously. The last you, you're WrestleMania, like, you're, a child. you're a grown child la- for doing that. And I'm like, I the can't la- say. I'm like, if somebody <laughs> likes Dragon Ball Z and shit, I can't make fun of them. Yeah, like, I, I feel like, you, man. I mean, I, I still do kind of. Like, you like can't. It. I mean, I mean, I like it's all good dads, fun because I, I often I loved I love to mispronounce anime names just to piss <laughs> off my friends. Like, uh, what's the guy in Dragon Ball Z? I call I call him Vegeta. Or Vegeta. Vegeta. Yeah, Vegeta. Yeah. I'm like, Vegeta. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Gokan is Vegeta. <laughs> People get mad, man. Um, yeah, man. It's 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 we get it. It's I understand it. Um, I I I do the same thing. I call. I say if you're one of those guys that doesn't like anime, but it is it is what it is, man. I went on a podcast with a bunch of. Uh, What's his name? Kyle Dobbs. And at the end of it, they're like, what do you want people to watch or check out? I'm like, yo, y'all gotta go watch Demon Slayer. <laughs> it's like a serious podcast. And I'm like, wait, this guy watches anime. So dude, I mean, I, I mean, just yesterday, uh, guy, uh, Ryan, guy from uh, King of the Lifts, uh, Ryan Lapitat. I got into a nerd cause he's not a huge wrestling fan. Uh-huh. I got into a long conversation where it was pretty much just me telling him about like, Brett the Hitman Hart and why like he was so bitter towards Shawn Michaels throughout all these years and I'm like well like there was all this backstage politics and like I'm going on I'm like dude like you know way too much about professional wrestling <laughs> like this is and, and no, seriously I could do a podcast about professional wrestling and go like and do all the, the lingo and shit and all like the like you know I don't like this guy's character development I think they should have pushed him in a situation so it's we all are anime fans in one type of way. My anime happens to be, I mean, also professional sports. Like, yes. But Chicago Cubs will ruin my fucking year. They will ruin <laughs> my year. Like, if they if they would have lost in 2016 in the World Series against the Indians, 2016, 
would have been ruined. The worst year. It would have been the worst year of my life. I'm not. I'm when, not exaggerating. It when the Patriots lost to the Eagles uh, two or three years ago, I remember. Um, I was in a group chat with Sean Russ and John, and I was MIA for like twelve hours. It it truly ruined oh, my day. Oh, like two thousand eight, when it, the Cubs got swept by the Dodgers, I did not want to go to school. Yeah. I didn't want to go to school because my friends will make fun of me because like half it's just of them a, are that Italian fans. passion, man. Yeah, half of them are Sox fans, half of them are you know Cubs fans. I'm like, I'm gonna get fun fun of mercilessly. I'm like, I don't even want to go to school. I'm like, I thought the Cubs were gonna win the World Series this year, like. Like you can't you can't make fun of people for their like little hobbies and their passions when you take <laughs> professional sports guys who don't give a fuck about you <laughs> like that. I know, I know, I I get it, I get but it. it it's good like, to have passion though. Oh, like, yeah, what, no, what, sure. what is life about? Just All feeling the, something. I mean, right? I mean, another example. I didn't show up. To, actually, I showed up late to one of my classes and gave my professor attitude in the 2010 World Cup where Italy lost against Uruguay to get knocked out of the group stage, when Luis fucking Suarez bit Giorgio Chiellini, and then Claudio Marchisio got a red card, an automatic red card that game, my professor gave me shit for coming in late, and I said, I was watching the Italy game. That's all I said to him and sat down for my economics class. I was about 25 minutes late, and he's like, (laughs) Fortino, why are you late? I'm like, Italy lost. And I sat down. <laughs> he should have just given you an A for the day. Like, you know what, man? A. I was Matter of fact, jersey, let me do your was, work for you. I was wearing my jersey. I'm like, don't fucking talk to me right now, motherfucker. I'm like, mm-hmm. you, want to, you, want to, you want to catch these hands in the middle of an econ? I'll do it right I now. respect it. All I right. respect it. Last one. I know you got to go. Fuck, Mary yeah. kill, Noriega, Russ, Hack. You got to do it because all of them did it. Hack did it in confidence, so I won't display his answers even though i probably have uh oh my god all right sean's getting killed (laughs) sean's getting killed yes um mary russ and fuck john (laughs) okay all right yeah that's that's uh you know what i'm one of the guys who is at this point because hack was my favorite i mean he still is my favorite lifter he's amazing i'm at a point where i'm like you know what i just gotta kill this guy for the sake of egos (laughs) <laughs> for the sake of everyone's Shit. egos you gotta kill this guy just to balance just to restore balance sorry if you guys hear my Alexa in the background I, I apologize it was it wanted to jump into that FMK <laughs> um but yeah man thank you for having me on it was it was really good uh I'm glad that we did this because you know a lot of people for the re- like like you said people choose coaches or whatever based on opposition or whatnot. Like, I don't know if you like me, you might hate me, you might, you might, whatever. And, and you seem like a really reasonable dude. And you mm-hmm. said a lot of really nice things that I truly appreciate. And, um, you know, I, it, and I'm not gonna lie, sometimes it's like, man, like, you know, I don't understand how you would hate on us. Like we're, we're doing, winning these things and do, you know, pushing the bar and like trying to progress the sport and you still get people that hate you. And it's just like, it's nice to know that people like yourself that are not on the team can still like recognize us. And there is that level of respect there. And mm-hmm. add for that, I do, I do respect you. I respect Joe. Um, I respect, you know, uh, anybody that puts in the work and shows up and, 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 and competes. Cause at the end of the day, we're all doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, hopefully we can continue to push the sport and, like I said, I think Sheffield's going to change the game. I think we're going to 
just see powerlifting go. In the next five years, I think powerlifting is going to be in a different place and it's going to be better for everyone. And, um, yeah, man, that's that. That's pretty much that. Just keep working. You never know where you're going to end up. I didn't know I would end up here. You probably didn't know you would end up there. Mm-hmm. I don't th- like. I remember when I told Russ. I, I'm pretty confident you could tell 19. I know he did it in a mock, but like he still got there, you know. And and I'll, I'm. I, you never know. Yeah. You never know. So just keep working. I know this COVID time is like terrible for some, and for some you're still able to to make an income, and you just got to be thankful for it and keep your family safe and. Um, shout out to the people that unfollow, but they will look at all my stuff and they watch every video. Um, I appreciate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta. I mean, yeah, and you know, the f- feelings mutual. Uh, looking forward to get, competing against you, but also you know, being uh, being being an uh, adversary in the sport. You know, like- I, I have a feeling that when you meet my brother. The Italian in the room is going to be so... Oh, yeah, so... I was about to say, tell your brother I said hi, because your brother... It's going to explode. I love your brother, man. I love your brother. <laughs> Dude, he's a fucking goon, man. I will tell him. I will tell him. Yeah, tell your brother I said hi. Actually, I might DM him and say, what's up? <laughs> Dude, hey, man, he'll appreciate it. He'll be like, hey, what a fucking guy over here, huh? We got another one of these guys. Uh, All righty, boys. Thank you for coming on the show. Hopefully, I'll be on again sometime. But... Yep, yep. All right. Have a good one. Peace. Yep. Later, brother.